thank you for that. Let's just pray and agree for the word today. Father, we are so grateful and thankful. Father, we're glad to be in the house of God. Your word says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. So, Father, we are grateful and thankful for it. I am grateful and thankful, Father, that you have a word for us from your heart, that we are receptive to that word. We take it in and we move on it, Father. We give you praise and thanksgiving, Father, that the enemy is bound and no weapon formed against this service will prosper. I give you thanks and glory. I give you praise, Father, for the abundance of the workings that you are doing in this time and season. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Last week, we celebrated resurrection service. And I hope you're still resurrected. Um, hallelujah. But we're going to go back to um, some things I started ministering a couple of weeks ago about the body of Christ. And in verse 24 of Hebrews 10, it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, you may recall, you may remember all my fancy props here. Hallelujah. And we talked about the difference between a gathering and an assembly. That a gathering is like a puzzle. You know, you can put all the pieces in the same box. All the pieces belong to this box. And these are gathered together. And we even have an indication of what the picture is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like this in the end. However, um, when I open this box and I look at that, if I didn't have this picture, I have no indication of what this is going to look like in the end. Because a gathering can create an atmosphere. In a gathering, we can say, yoo-hoo, we've got a puzzle. But a gathering doesn't establish a purpose. And so what happens is as we begin to put these pieces together and the picture begins to take shape, now we've got a purpose. Now we've got some understanding of exactly what it's going to look like. It may not be complete, but yet we know what it's going to look like. And we could even say it's taking shape. And it's coming from taking this collection of pieces and beginning to assemble them one by one. So when they assemble, now I have some indicators of the intention of what this puzzle is going to look like. Now that these pieces have come together, I have understanding of what this is going to be. I have understanding of what it's going to look like. But that, that understanding didn't come from just gathering. That understanding came from assembling. And he says in there, he gives us a warning. He says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. So some don't have an idea of assembling. They just have an idea of gathering. But he says, and he says, do it even more as you see the day approaching. So as we're moving down the calendar of God, we're supposed to even be more aware of the importance of assembling together. We're supposed to be more aware of what it means to assemble together. So I want to go over to 1 Timothy here, and we'll look at something, uh, another review piece, and then we'll get into what we've got new today. In verse 15, we're coming in the middle of a statement, but this is Paul writing to Timothy, who is a pastor of a church. And he says, if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So we see here several things. He says the house of God is the church of God, but then he calls it the pillar and ground of the truth. He said the, the house of God or the church, the local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, a pillar is used to hold up something that goes over the top. You know, there's pillars, you know, at the White House. There's pillars on other houses. There's pillars on buildings. And what they put those pillars for is to hold up a roof or a ceiling or something. So we could say this, that the local church, the house of God, the church of the living God is to hold up 
a covering. So the local church becomes a covering over you. It becomes a covering, keeping everything evil off of you, keeping the demonic away from you. The, the local church, see, we, we have to educate our minds a little bit. The local church is a pillar to keep the covering of God over your life in place. And then it says another thing about it. It's the ground of the truth, which this word ground oftentimes is translated foundation. So the foundation of our spiritual life is also found in the local church, in the house of God, in the church of God. So we can see that then what the local church or the house of God, what the church does for us is it keeps in place a covering and a foundation for our life. Church keeps a covering and a foundation in place in our life. Amen. It's to keep the enemy out. And we even talked yesterday, uh, last couple weeks ago, got to get my time line fixed here. We talked about how even when we start building a puzzle or start assembling, we usually start with the borders. Unless you're Pastor Jerry, but I want you to know he's an amateur. So don't follow his instructions on putting a puzzle together. Because he totally does. yours upside down, because that makes me want I deserve that. Thank you for all your help. He is a puzzle help. He's a sidekick. You know, there's, uh, there's uh, what do they call it? Super, help me out, superheroes and sidekicks or whatever they call it. When it comes to puzzles, I'm the superhero, he's the sidekick. All other things in life, he's the superhero, I'm the sidekick. I have this one thing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, but we talked about how when you're assembling a local church, you usually start with a border which is usually leadership in some form or fashion. And the idea of the, of the setting it in order is not to restrain the other pieces because they're called and appointed there. It's so that the other pieces know where they fit. It's also to keep the enemy from stealing. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about a puzzle is when a puzzle is completely together, it's hard to pick out a piece. When it's completely together, it's hard to pick out a piece. It would be hard for me, especially now that I've glued this one, um, but it'd be hard for me to come in here and pick out this piece. I can't get that picked out. Why? Because all the connections it's got is making it safe. All the other connections it's got, it has is making it stable. It's protecting it. It's guarding it. So then the enemy can't pull one out and just pluck it. And even if this piece right here, you can't even see it, even if it had a weakness, once it's in place, that weakness doesn't manifest. Once it's in its proper position, that weakness you're not even aware of because it's been put into place where it belongs and it becomes a piece of a bigger picture without amplifying its weakness. Amen? Hallelujah. So it becomes so important. I'm going to take some of these things, so because I need them for later on. Praise the Lord. So we understand the importance of assembling. The assembling means I've got a covering over me and a foundation beneath me where the enemy has no place against me. Amen? Hallelujah. So today we're going to move on, and we're talking about why God wants us to assemble. And one of the things we need to understand about assembling together is because God is forming what he calls a body. A body. And this body in particular is called the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is not made up of individual pieces just collected in a spot. The body of Christ we're going to see today has to be assembled and has people in exact and proper position to become everything that Christ wants it to be. Amen? 
Because the body of Christ is a demonstration of who God is. In this box, all these pieces, they don't look like anything. But when they assemble together and we can lift up that picture, everyone knows, oh, that's what God looks like because that's the assembled body of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, and we're going to see exactly how this body comes to be. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So he tells us, just like our body, our body has lots of pieces. We have a hand, we have a foot, we have a knee, we have a neck. We have an elbow. We have all these individual pieces in our body, okay? But that all those individual pieces come together to make a body. And it says all these parts have a function. That word function there literally means business. My hand has business. My elbow has business. My knee has business. All of these body parts have business. But he goes on to say, that's what it's like in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, there's hands, there's knees, there's elbows, there's feet. And all those parts have business to take care of. They all have something to take care of. But he says that they don't have the same business. And sometimes what happens is, um, beside the fact we like to get into everybody else's business, <laughs> we're not even going there today. But what happens is, if I was going to take a piece of this sky right here and put it down here, it would be misplaced, and it would be the wrong picture, okay? Because the function of this piece is to be up here, and there is differencing in function. It is supposed to be up here. Can everybody see this? Do I need to stand back here? I feel a little bit like Vanna, but I'm getting over it. Okay. Anyway, so this piece right here doesn't belong here even if it fit. Even if it fit, it doesn't belong there because we have different members in this body, but yet they're supposed to come together and be assembled for one body, right? Okay. So he goes on and he says, we are members of one another. In fact, let's go to that God's word translation. Makes it easy to uh, understand. It says, our bodies have many parts, but these parts don't all do the same thing. In the same way, even though we are many individuals, Christ makes us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. Now, this piece of the sky doesn't belong down here, but through a series of events, these pieces are connected to down here. Because a connection via a connection via a connection via a connection, they're connected. And they're all in there together. And the interesting thing about these pieces is God has made us one body. Now, if we turn this puzzle over, and on the back, I know this is a little hard to see, but it's all the same color on the back because we've all been born of the same spirit. We're all of the same spirit. We've all been born of God. If I would flip this puzzle over and put it together, I'd have to do it just by connection. But when I turn it over to this side, then I have color that also helps. And that color is talent, gifting, ability, calling, personality, all these things. These are the things that distinguish us for our function in the body of Christ. That as we're assembled together, we're assembled by those variations, okay? That I don't have, this piece up here doesn't have the same calling as this piece down here, even though it could fit. And so what happens, the calling for this piece, be up here. Be up here in the sky. Don't be down here in the bushes. Because the sky in the bushes creates a void, not only in the sky, but makes a mess in the bushes. Do you understand what I mean? That's all have a different function. We're all born of the same spirit. The backing is all the same. We've all got the same. But 
God loves variety. Now understand this, God had angels with him before he created man, but it wasn't enough to satisfy his heart for the desire for family. So God created a family, and after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he called that family his body. Amen? Hallelujah. Is this clear? Are you all getting this? All right, so let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 12, it says, as the body, saying a lot of the same thing, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So we have, again, there's many components to an entire body, all right? Now, going to verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So we are an individual member, okay? We are an individual member with promises, rewards, and blessings that have been committed to us by the heart of the Father. He has committed those things to us. But today I want us to understand the value of the corporate that there is in our life that the corporate assembling has value, promise, and blessing to it that cannot be achieved individually. Because you are a member of the body of Christ, but when the members come together, they become the body of Christ. Now, start thinking about this. How valuable is the body to the head? Let me ask you this. How valuable is your body to your head? If we severed the two, neither one work right. If we sever the two, there is no accomplishment. There is no goal reached. There is no ministry fulfilled. There is no nerve endings going anywhere into the rest of the body. So it is with Christ. If we sever the body from the head, there is no ministry fulfilled. There is no goal accomplished. There is no task completed. So then we understand how important and how valuable the assembling of the corporate body becomes in the heart of the Father. Hallelujah. Then more, another part that's very important here is it says you are the body of Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name, but Christ rather is a title with a characteristic in it. So we are the body of Christ, which Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. So now when we come and assemble corporately, we become the body of the anointed one. We're the body of the anointing. We are the assembling where the people outside of God can come to find the anointing to remove burdens and destroy yokes of bondage. That's who we are. We are a corporate body that carries on it the anointing of heaven itself to change lives and make better everything else in the world. That's who we are. We are the body of the anointing. If we aren't the body, his anointing is confined only to the head where he doesn't have hands and operations in the earth. Hallelujah. The fulfillment of Jesus' ministry is to continue through his body. The fulfillment of his ministry, the completion of his ministry, the continuation of the ministry of Jesus is in the body of Christ. Amen? And he goes on to say, you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now between verse 12 that we read and verse 27, He's talking about all these different things. If you're not an eye, you can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. And if you're, not, if you're a foot, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body. He's trying to give understanding that in a corporate assembling, there is going to be much diversity. 
there is going to be much diversity. And we don't magnify diversity. We magnify that we're of the same spirit, but the diversity helps us to identify our place and our location. Okay? So we understand that the body of Christ is filled with diversity, but the command on it is unity. There is diversity. We all look different. Hello? God loves diversity so much that no two people ever on the planet have had the same fingerprint. God loves diversity. He loves diversity. He loves it, diversity. In fact, if I had this puzzle, and um, I had this happen one time. One time I bought a puzzle, and it, um, I got a puzzle, and it was missing a piece here, for instance, but this piece I had two of. I was missing one piece and had two of another one. You know, you got to put a lot of pieces of puzzles together to find one like that, let me just tell you. So I had none for here, but two for here. And what happened with this particular piece, I had two, but one is irrelevant. That's why God likes diversity. Two exactly the same in every way and a feature make one irrelevant. Okay? So don't fight the fact that we're diverse, but we contend for the fact we're unified. Okay? We're unified because we're all of the same spirit. And then he goes on and he says, you are the body of Christ in verse 27. And then he continues with this in verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. So he says, I put all these different things in your corporate assembly. There's all these different things in your corporate assembly. And then he goes on in verse 29 and says, but are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Maybe we should answer these questions. No, 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 no. Do all have gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. See, what's happening is they're wanting to become a corporate body on the fact that we're all the same. And he said, no, in a corporate body, you're not all the same. He said, earnestly desire the best gifts. One translation says, desire the best gifts for you to have. And then he goes on, and yet I show you a more excellent way. See, our unification is not based on our diversity. The diversity is necessary to give the world a clear picture of who God is. But our unity is based on the fact we're of the same spirit. And the more excellent way, he goes on to tell us then, is by love. This is the way a body assembles together. It assembles through the love of God. Because then he goes on, if I even spoke with tongues and angels and don't have love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. The love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost helps us to connect one to another. It helps us to connect one to another. Because without the love of God, sometimes we just don't like to connect. But we have to turn ourselves over and say, I am born of the same spirit they are. I choose to love you so it makes it possible for me to assemble with you so that there can be a demonstration of what God wants the world to see through us. Amen. The word is even very clear when it says they will know you are Christians by your love. Right? That's how they're going to know. And that's the more excellent way. For the body of Christ to be joined together, the more excellent way goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which we all know it as the love chapter. And then it goes on and says, and love, when you're assembling, will suffer long and it'll be kind. We shouldn't have to tell the body of Christ, be kind, right? You won't envy. You won't envy because that sky piece is just the color I always wanted to be and now I'm a bush, right? 
won't envy, you won't parade yourself, won't be puffed up, won't behave rudely. All these elements are elements to allow the body of Christ to assemble as God intends for it to assemble so that it can be a demonstration of the anointing in the earth. Amen? So we go on then um, and understand how this body is going to work and grow in love. Let's go to Ephesians 4. 15, but I want to look that up in that other translation. Let's go to the other translation, Kelly. We'll cut out some time here. It says, no, this is the easy to read version. Doesn't that just sound like something you want to read? Easy to read, right? Easy to read version. We will speak the truth with love. We will grow to be like Christ in every way. He is the head and the whole body depends on him. All the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its work. This causes the whole body to grow and to be stronger in love. Notice that one phrase that says, all the parts of the body are joined and held together with each part doing its work. Now, I know that these, um, I don't think I can, maybe I can. Okay, I have two pieces that fit together. They fit together right here like this. I know this is hard to see. Imagine it's really big and you've got really great supersonic eyesight, okay? All right. So if this part, which has got a little hole for the end of this piece to fit in there, if this part says, no, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, then this piece can't connect. Okay, every part does its part so that connections can be made. Every part has a place to play, so connections can be made, so that assembly can be entire and complete. So we have to understand that we have to grow together. We have to grow together. We have to develop together because the idea, the whole body in the last line there will grow and be stronger in love. As we grow together, we'll keep getting stronger and stronger in this love chapter that it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, which is truly a demonstration of God. Because what we're growing to as an assembled body is to show the world what God looks like. We're the body of Christ. To show the world this is what God looks like. And you can't show the world all by yourself entirely what God looks like. You can't cover enough territory. You understand what I mean? You know, and you can't say, just look at me, I'm God-like. That works for a season, but pretty soon they're going to see a flaw and weakness in you. So the best thing is get in a corporate body, get connected to somebody else, that their eyes are off you individually and they see a whole picture. Hallelujah. Are you understanding what we're saying today? All right, so I want to talk for a little bit here about how God feels about his body. We need to understand that everyone on the planet is not part of the body of Christ. Not everyone is a part of the body of Christ. We have been bestowed with a great honor and a great privilege that we could be called the body of Christ. Hallelujah that we could be called the body of Christ. There are many in the earth that are not part of the body of Christ. And here it is. And it's not just any body. It's the body of Christ. You are a component of one that is in the Godhead. You're the body of Christ, the body of the anointed one and his anointing. He has no other way to get the anointing that he wants in the earth unless it comes through you and me together. And when we come together, it becomes multiplied in its in effect and in power. Amen? So this passage of scripture in Ephesians 5, it's a great one for husbands and wives because it's a comparison of husbands and wives to Christ and the church. And in verse 29, he says, um, maybe we should read verse 20. No, I'm kidding. I was going to go to verse 28. You know, but since my husband is perfect, we don't have to read that one. So verse 29 says, No one ever hated his own flesh, 
but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So it tells us here that the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. Think about this. The Lord nourishes and cherishes his body. Not just, no, don't think individually, think corporately. The Lord nourishes and cherishes a corporate body. The word cherishes there literally means keep warm. And it gives us the indication that what God does, he sees a corporate body assembling and he grabs and pulls it to himself and holds it to protect it, to help it, to feed it, to keep it. It gives us the understanding how God will draw a corporate body near to himself. Now, we like that feeling individually, but it's talking about how he feels about the body corporately. We have to start thinking corporate. Corporately, he wants to gather us, assemble together, and hold us as one to speak over us blessing, to keep us safe, to protect us, to provide for us, to bless us, to nurture us, to grow us up. That word nourish means to mature us. God wants to mature us. If you can think of a corporate body as one soldier with hands, feet, arms, elbows, and he wants to gather that single soldier of that assembled body to himself to watch over it, preserve it, and protect it. Keep it warm. Keep it warm. Hallelujah. Draws it into himself. He values the body so much. He values the body so much. Let's look over in John chapter 17. This is the prayer Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. And he says this in verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's saying, I'm not praying just for my 12. But I'm praying for all those through the ages that are going to get connected because of the words they're going to speak. Then he's, so it's talking about you and me, that they all may be one. That's how important assembling is to him. As you, Father, are in me and I in you. Think of that. He's wanting that tight of assembly. He wants the assembling as tight as between the Father and the Son. Hallelujah that they also may be one in us. Why? So that the world can believe that you sent me. See, we are a manifestation of the Father when we're assembled together as one. We are a demonstration of Christ when we're connected together as one. And he says, goes on and says, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. Your head doesn't have one glory and your body another glory. The glory that's on the head comes on the body. The glory on the head of the body is on the body. The glory of Christ is also on the body of Christ. Do you understand what we're saying? So that tells me then, if it's available to the head, it's available for the body. The glory that's available for the head is available for the body. Amen? And he goes on to say um, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Think of that. The Father loves you as much as he loved Jesus. Now what it said? that they may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Say this, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. 
And it's that oneness and that unity that gives him a place to shower that love. That's how much. Not only does he nourish and cherish it, but he prays that the glory that he's experiencing, the oneness he's experiencing, will come to this corporate body assembled as one. Amen? Hallelujah. And, you know, we all, we, maybe you remember the scripture in Matthew 5. We won't turn there. But in Matthew 5, there's a story that Jesus is telling. And he says, if you come to offer a gift on the altar, and remember that your brother has something against you, he says, leave the gift on the altar and go make it right with your brother. And then come back and offer the gift on the altar. Think of how important corporate assembly is to the father when he says, keep the commitment right with your brother before you come to offer up something to me. And if you come to offer something to me and remember that there's a tip over here, fix the tip before you, before you come back to me. Think of how he must value our oneness so much that he would say, tend to each other, tend to each other if there's a problem and then come over here and offer your gift. He said, don't offer the gift. He's just saying, I value your oneness with each other in the body of Christ. He said, the brother, I value the oneness in the body of Christ. Keep the oneness alive because if you don't stay in harmony and unity and in oneness, the offering up of the, of the gift on the altar doesn't have as much weight and bearing when you've got strife going on. When you got the strife going on, I heard one minister say this, that strife is the manifest presence of the devil. The manifest presence of the devil is in strife. And what we have to do is understand Jesus' commitment that he wanted us to contend for assembling, contend for being one, contend for being connected. And so if we're going to contend the way the Father wants us to contend for unity, we're going to have to understand, we're going to have to have a commitment to the body of Christ. We're going to have to have a commitment to the body of Christ. That we're not just committed to us, but we're committed to each other. And sometimes we don't like that because commitment can, can make you feel vulnerable. I can tell you, that commitment is a challenging subject in this day and hour. People don't like to commit. People don't like to commit. That's why you can start a prayer meeting with 40 people and in six months down the road, you've got four. Because commitment takes energy. Commitment takes effort. That's why we have more lives, people living together than committed in marriage. Because we don't like the risk of commitment. Okay? Don't like the risk of commitment. Okay? But this is the, um, we have to understand, where we are committed is where we are connected. Where we are committed is where we're connected. And the reason it's so important because where we're connected is what's giving us our leadings. Where we're committed is where we're connected. And where we're connected is what's giving us our leadings. You can be committed to your car. It's a pretty thing. What was it going to be? 1967 Chevelle? Okay. <laughs> Black cherry. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be committed to that car. Okay? You can, so your heart is connected to that car. But pretty soon, that car is giving you your leadings. And that can be anything. It could be a hobby. It could be another person. It could, it could be a place. You could be so committed to your house that you won't leave it till the trash is taken out because that house is giving you a leading. See, because that place of commitment establishes a connection and out of that connection, you get a leading. And the idea is to be the body of Christ, that we are committed to the body of Christ, we are connected to the body of Christ, so our leadings are coming out of the head of the body of Christ. 
that we have commitment and connection to this body that gets its instructions from the head. So that way we're always led by Christ. Amen. So that's going to require us to value the body like Jesus himself valued the body. He valued his body. He values his body. Hallelujah. Not the body that was broken for you and me, but the body that came after the resurrection and we became. All right. So let's go on over to Ephesians 1. Hallelujah. Are you getting any nuggets today? One or two. Well, a whole bag. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God loves his body. But us an individual isn't the body. Here's, here's, the, here's this body being formed. And if I took and threw this down here, that is not connected to this body. That doesn't have any, any conviction. It would have no direction. It have no restriction. So it can feel really good. But when Jesus is coming back for a body without spot or wrinkle, he's expecting all the holes to be filled. Amen? And this might seem freer, but it's lost its pillar and ground. Hallelujah. Because when it's in here, there's a pillar and a ground of where it belongs. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're in Ephesians 1, 22. Um, one of the things we have to understand is that there is reasons for connecting in the body of Christ. There is reasons because we are more effective joined together than we will ever be individually. You know, we will be much, much more effective. And the enemy resists connection in the body of Christ. Probably one of the, his high priorities, keep the church divided. You know, have you ever noticed if you have to get up at 4 a.m. to go on vacation, it's not a problem. If you have to get up at 5 a.m. to go fishing, no problem. Got to get up at 6 a.m. to go four-wheeling, not a problem. Got to get up at 10 o'clock to go to church, <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Because the enemy works against corporate assembly. He works against it. He looks for a way to keep you from assembling because he knows that if you assemble, the anointing on you multiplies and he's done with. As pastors, I can tell you, we can tell when the enemy is winning the fight for your life by church absence. Hallelujah, by church absence. And you can think of all different kind of things. We start out, but because the commitment to connect wasn't quite there, we can give it up. We can give it up. There are things in your life you don't give up. It's because you've got a commitment to them. And Jesus is just wanting us to have a commitment one to another to assemble and become one so we can be the body of Christ. Amen? Ephesians 1, verse 22, it says this, and he put, he's talking about principalities, powers, mights, and dominions in, the, in, in every name that is named in the previous scripture. And he says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he says, Jesus put all things under his feet. The feet are not connected to the head. The feet are the lowest parts of the body, okay? And he said, I put all principality, all power, and everything that you can name, I put it beneath your feet if you're in the body. If you're in the body, it's beneath you. There is nothing above you if you're assembled as a body. There's nothing you can't do if you're assembled as a body. There is nothing that can exalt itself over the feet if you're in the body. Amen? He says that every name that was named, put it 
And then he said he gave him to be head. Jesus is the head over everything. So how does the feet going to keep everything under it? By listening to the instructions of the head. Step there. Move over there. What am I doing? Keeping all things under the feet. From instructions from the head. Keeping him underneath. Keeping it underneath. And what happens is the corporate assembly helps me do that. Because sometimes uh, you might come to church and think, this thing is winning over me. What do I do, pastor? And the pastor says, I got a word from the Lord. There. Now it's handled. You know, you might come into church and say, I don't know what to do. I need to do something, but this thing is towering over me. This conviction of, of, um, uh, that I'm lacking is not working right. I need some help. You go and get somebody else to pray in the assembled body. Put it back under those feet. Amen. But it's a body working together, getting instructions from the spirit on how to put things beneath the feet of the body. Amen. So we get all things under the feet, but through direction of the head. And it says, which is his body? The church is his body. The fullness of him, the fullness of him, the fullness of him, meaning everything that he's contained with. The fullness of him, this is his body, who fills all in all. And that word fills all in all was kind of, is kind of confusing. Fills all in all. And this is the way the Spirit of the Lord gave it to me. God's plan is for his body to be present in all places and all locations. All spots and all locations. So his intention in the earth was for his body to take residence in every place everywhere. There was never supposed to be a place where it was void and vacant of the body of Christ. Because the, Christ, uh, the body of Christ was so connected and so assembled that we could fill every place there was. And the idea of it is so because the body of Christ was going to carry the dominion of God and the influence of God. So the body of Christ carrying the dominion and the influence goes into every place in every spot carrying that dominion, carrying that influence. And so now what happens is the whole earth is subject to the dominion and influence of God. And the whole earth then comes to understand what God looks like and falls in line for the perfect will of God. We're talking about the different places, you know, uh, the mountains, Pastor Jerry's mentioned, you know, the mountains of media and entertainment and education and business and church and family and government, all these places. And if the body of Christ was all in all, we'd have dominion and influence in all of those places. And that's the intention. His intention was assemble body, assemble in one spirit. Understand your anointing. Understand your potential. Understand what you're capable of. Now go into all those places. Fill on all and all so that my influence is everywhere you are. Then you can come back and you assemble together. Get built up. Get strengthened up. Go back out into that mountain. Take that influence out there. And it just keeps going and going and going and going till there's a manifestation and a demonstration of exactly how God wants the earth to look like. Hallelujah. Because his body is his spiritual power and influence in the earth. Um, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 tells us that what he's doing is he's building and constructing us together. And he goes on. Um, let's see. Maybe, I should, maybe we should go there since they got on the board. Okay. Um, no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fit together, grows in a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together. Why? For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We're being built together so God has a place to live in the earth a dwelling place, a habitation for God to be. That as we're joined together, 
God finds a place where he can live and be. Hallelujah. He finds that place, that place in the spirit where he can abide and remain. Hallelujah. We know this to be true. Matthew 18, 20, I believe it is, says, for where two or more of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. See, he loves people coming together in his name. He loves it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what he wants, he understand this. He wants us to come together so we can be an influence in the earth with dominion and influence the way he wants things done to be a dwelling place for him to live in. And why is all this important? Well, we'll go to the final scripture and you'll see if it, how it personally is helpful. Psalms 92 says this. Um, Those who are planted or assembled in the house of the Lord shall flourish, 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 flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. See, it's not, it's the planting that causes us to still bear fruit in old age, be fresh and flourishing. It's the being planted so that when you're old, I don't know what age that is. I don't know what age that is. But all I know is if you are planted in the assembling of the saints for the body of Christ, You've got young people beside you carrying you into rewards and honor, carrying you that you are a participant, that you will still bear fruit in old age, that you will be fresh and flourishing, alive and enthusiastic, even in an older age, that there is still the activity of God going on on the inside of you if you stay planted. If you stay planted. Hallelujah. Understand this. This is the way reason, part of the reason I shared this today. There is a prophetic word concerning the body of Christ. And it specifically talks about the local church. And it says that 2021 is the year of the local church. It's where the glory of God is about to fall. In the local church. And I want you all to be in that number. And the one thing that we have to understand, that a right condition will put us into right position where the glory will fall. The right condition will put us into right position where the glory will fall. Amen? So we want to be those that are right condition so that we're in the right position where the glory of the Lord is going to fall. Church has always been his idea. Hallelujah. And remember this, Jesus went to church as his custom was. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something here today? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WO victory or go to Jerry Roberts ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.